Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host and producer of Your Story Matters. Today we have a special guest, Karen Goler. She is the author of Lymphedema, Sentenced to Life in Bed, But I Escaped. This was 20 years ago that she was first diagnosed, and she has since become a top-notch professional in gymnastics. She's a coach and has authored several gymnastics books. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Great. Thank you so much. I'm so excited that you could join us today and that you'll be sharing some of your story and talking about your book. And I'm very excited that you have generously donated a copy of the book so that one of our listeners can win it when they listen to the show at the website and comment there. But before we talk about the book, I would love for you to share some of your background and history as far as how things have evolved up to the point that you're at now and what you know started you on the path of wanting and needing to write the book. Well, actually, I had no intention of writing that book until I realized it was my 20th anniversary, mm-hmm. um, being free. A couple of people recent, in recent years told me that I should do motivational speaking based on that story and some other events that have happened in my life. So I figured the 20th anniversary was the perfect time to release it because a lot of people don't realize that after 15 years, doctors start to congratulate cancer patients, saying that the 15-year mark is when they consider you to be cured. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I figured at 20 years, I was pretty much done, you know, dealing and worrying about that cancer. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So talk to the listeners about when you were diagnosed and what was going on in in your life at that point and some of the things that you went through back then, because I know that's very significant to your story. Yes, it's extremely significant. At the time, I was an owner of a gymnastics club. I was coaching gymnastics. My team gymnasts, the competitive gymnasts, were competing all over New York State and traveling to other states in um, invitational competitions. They were doing pretty well. So I was extremely involved as a business owner and coach. I was also doing fitness training late at night and also doing, you know, hardcore bodybuilding-type workouts. So I was very involved in the whole gym world, fitness and gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I wanted a gym when I was 10 years old, so it was just something that I was not going to give up easily. Right. I was just going to ask you, was that something that started in childhood? And that's awesome because I love to hear when people have that childhood passion and dream and then end up fulfilling that. Yes, it definitely was a childhood dream, and it was totally amazing when it actually, you know, happened for came you. true. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. So then... um I actually had a mole on my thigh, and a couple of people told me to go get it checked out because it was changing a little bit, and my father um, was one of those people, but each time he saw it, he was getting more and more serious to the point of one day he started yelling at me, Mm -hmm. um, top of his lungs, and my mother came in and, you know, asked what was going on and stuff like that. And then he said, look at her leg, and my mother looked, and then she picked up the phone and called her friend who recently went to a dermatologist, and within, like, 20 minutes, I had an appointment with a dermatologist, and then that was only a few days later, and the dermatologist said, oh, no, 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 this has to come out. So he took, a, he took it out. He said he was sending it for a biopsy. He did that. By the time I got home, the phone was ringing, and he told me I had to go see this um, well-respected oncologist at NYU, 
And that oncologist told me that I would never work again in my life and that I would be bedridden for the rest of my life. Wow. So for some, yeah. <laughs> so for someone as involved in gymnastics and fitness as I was, that was a huge blow. That was just, that was awful. My mother and I were both sitting there crying and he kept saying it. He wasn't, he didn't just say it once. Mm-hmm. He kept saying, like, you'll be bedridden for the rest of your life. Mm. Um, so that was pretty much a nightmare, um, that conversation. I don't know how long we were there, but it felt like we were sitting there and listening to that doctor, you know, say that forever. Right, right. I'm sure that was shocking and hard to take in. I know that I have been diagnosed with cancer also, and just that moment is so life-changing and profound. It's hard to explain to people who haven't been diagnosed with something this challenging. So I can imagine how difficult that was for you. So what did you do early on as far as dealing with the emotions and the thoughts and if you were in shock about it? How did you handle those things? Um, I definitely was in shock because if you were to look at me at the time, I looked like a competitive bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, you know, you would never know that I had anything wrong with, you know, and I felt pretty healthy. I was a little bit tired, you know, but I just figured it was overwork. I didn't realize that there was actually something going on with me. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely shocked. Everybody I knew that was shocked. Everybody I knew was shocked. Um, and then I had to pretty much talk to the people that worked with me and um, plan how we were going to do this because I knew I would be in the hospital at least eight days and I wasn't sure what would happen after that. So pretty much the people that worked for me, the coaches, ran my business as I was, you know, in the hospital getting the surgery. And mm-hmm. it, it was really just a horrible, horrible time of my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Were there things that you did to stay hopeful, to, you know, maintain some sense of I'm going to make it through this? I mean, obviously, you're a very disciplined person because of what you do. And you have to be that way physically and mentally. How did you use those skills then to handle your diagnosis and what you were going through at the time? Well, actually, I was not very hopeful. Um, after that appointment with that oncologist at NYU, mm-hmm. I mean, he just kept saying I would be bedridden for the rest of my life. So my image of what I, w- what I would be like after the surgery was, you know, I thought I would end up shriveling up to this frail person just laying in bed and having people, you know, just bring me my meals and stuff. I really thought I would end up in a similar, similar situation to how people in nursing homes end up, just frail and just kind of being alive, but that was it. Right, um, right. I knew, yeah, I knew I would wake up from the surgery. I just didn't realize that I would be able to have a somewhat normal life afterwards. Right. So what was the turnaround point then that changed this diagnosis, so to speak, and changed you actually not being bedridden and being able to get up and move on and go on with your life? It was, wasn't really um, one turnaround point. It was a gradual process. Mm-hmm. For the first month, really was in bed almost 24-7. Um, then a friend drove me to my gym, and I sat there in a chair and observed. That didn't last for long. Mm-hmm. Um, they moved my chair over to where my gymnasts were working out. And they, <laughs> I pretty, I tried to coach, you know, sitting down. 
that was really frustrating because it's you have to really be standing up and be able to lift the gymnast when necessary, you know, mm-hmm. when you're coaching. So that made it challenging. Uh, I wasn't allowed to work out for a year. Mm-hmm. And I listened to the doctors for about the first five, first nine months. And then I guess when I was training my friend Eileen for her wedding, there was one, one night that when she was done working out, I just said, I have to try this to my friend Eileen. Mm-hmm. So I got on one of the exercise machines and I just, you know, I didn't put any weight on it. And I did a couple of repetitions and, you know, she said, how did that feel? And I said, it just felt really good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I just said to myself, you know, I'm just going to start working out slowly. I'm not waiting a full year. You know, usually you know when you're ready to make a change like that. Right, right. And I guess I'm more normal or more like myself after I started to work out again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it still was normal because I still had to deal with the swelling and the compression stockings and everything like that. It's just that I started to feel a lot better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you had surgery that prevented you from exercising did it prevent you from walking what explain to the listeners what type of surgery and how it really took away your ability to do certain things it was actually surgery for a malignant melanoma a lot of people don't realize that a skin cancer actually can grow into and travel throughout your body mm-hmm. so they took out melanoma from my right thigh and they also took the lymph nodes out from my groin on that side, on my right leg. Mm-hmm. And once the nodes are taken out, the lymphatic system is compromised, and then there's swelling. Mm-hmm. And the swelling is the reason that people with leg lymphedema should not be standing or sitting with their feet down for any you know period of time. Within a few minutes, your leg can start to swell. Right. Uh, and the swelling can build up. And build up, and eventually, if you really ignore it, it can end up being elephantitis. Your leg can be as wide as a tree trunk. Mm-hmm. So you really have to clean it carefully. Mm-hmm. Um, most people with leg lymphedema wear compression stockings, and that's what I do in order to be able to stand and walk and live a pretty normal life. Mm-hmm. But you know, it has to be maintained for a lifetime. Right. Thank you for sharing that because not everyone understands exactly what different types of cancers are or what you specifically went through. How did you endure going through that healing process then as far as getting back in shape and getting back on track to do what you love to do? It, uh, again, it was a gradual process. It was just one day at a time thinking. I knew that if I would, you know, be able to do something on one day that I'd probably be able to continue to do whatever it was uh, for the rest of my life. But it was really a slow, gradual process. It's not like I started to squat 225 pounds that first day that I tried to exercise again. That took a year. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. really a very so gradual process mentally and physically mm-hmm. to get back to being myself and to regaining my strength. Mm-hmm. Were there certain things that helped you? Did you go through counseling? Did you read books? Were there people around you? What were the things that were encouraging you to continue on this path to healing? There was no counseling. The National Lymphedema Network was a pretty new organization, and in 91... I didn't have a computer. It's not like the Internet was 
mm-hmm. easily accessible to everyone. Right. So there's no counseling, and most doctors do not know how to deal with lymphedema. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much sink or swim. I just knew that I had to keep my leg up and keep it or keep it moving. And I think that if I didn't have as much knowledge of health and fitness as I did, I would not have gotten through any of the healing process as easily as I did. Mm-hmm. Not to say it's easy, it's just that it would not have been as effective if I didn't have all of that knowledge. Right, right. Uh, friends and, you know, family that tried to help make sure that I was comfortable, but none of them had any knowledge of health or fitness or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They couldn't help or, you know in any way like that, mm-hmm. other than coaches in the gym. Have you pinpointed what it is within you that gave you that motivation to succeed and to get through this and to really go against the initial diagnosis and what everyone thought you would end up like? I think it's just has been part of my personality to just keep trying to do whatever it is I want to do, mm-hmm. um, the perseverance. And once I saw myself gaining strength, getting, feeling better, my energy going up. I just was more motivated to keep trying, you know, to get back to a somewhat normal life. Mm -hmm. So it was really just self-motivation. I just did not want to live like, like I was told that I would live, you know, Mm -hmm. by the doctor. Right. I just did not. So you basically made a choice in your mind and said, this is not what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to do and then you started taking it one step at a time to make that happen for yourself. Exactly, exactly. And at and at the time I had no idea how far I would get as far you know, when it came to my healing. I really didn't know, but I knew that I was going to keep trying to, you know, improve each day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like that you share that because I think that a lot of people need to know that while it's good to have goals and some sense of what you hope the desired outcome is, sometimes it's that just day to day, you don't really know how far you can get if you're dealing with recovery or some sort of injury or whatever. And so it is important to stay focused on what you're doing right now instead of focusing everything on the outcome. Would you agree? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, a little progress is a great thing. Yes, you know, that's right. And a little progress today adds up to a huge amount of progress at the end of a month or a year or, you know, a decade. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What did you do during the times that you felt discouraged or you felt, you know, your body ached, you didn't want to keep going on? I know that's something that listeners definitely need to hear because we all find ourselves there sometimes, whether it's physically, emotionally, or mentally? Well, I was discouraged probably 99% of the time because of the swelling in my leg. My leg was enormous after the surgery. It was as wide as my waist. Mm. Um, I was I was discouraged or depressed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly what I did. I just knew that I had to keep my leg elevated and just keep listening to what the doctors were telling me to do, which was keep it elevated, wear the compression stocking, and don't stand, you know, when it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, my friends were really good with, you know, just keeping me uh, happy, well, not happy, but comfortable, and, you know, trying to cheer me up. Mm-hmm. My family was really good, you know, with that. 
Um, but I don't remember if there was like one specific thing that I did mm-hmm. when I was discovered. Just remember being so upset with the situation for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was one of those people that was nasty to everyone just because of the situation. It's just that I was upset with the situation. Right, so, right. Well, that's good. I mean, I know that's part of it is just going on and making sure that you have a good attitude. And even though you feel sad or upset or disappointed about something, just take it kind of like you already said, one day at a time and try not to let that negatively affect everything else in your life. Exactly, exactly. So tell the listeners a little bit about the book. What would someone who reads the book get out of it? Well, originally I wrote the book for other people that were dealing with lymphedema, but the feedback I've received has been tremendous. Um, I've had people tell me that they've laughed, they've cried, they cheered for me, they've hoped, and um, they've seen it helped them realize that they can reach their goals or get through any situation. And a lot of people have purchased this book as gifts for other people who were having hard times in their life and Mm -hmm. wanted to use it as a motivational tool for their family and friends. I guess it depends on your situation. If you're somebody that's dealing with a hard time in your life and you read the book, maybe it will help motivate you um, or cheer you up or help you realize that you can get through whatever it is that you're dealing with. Or the or it will help the lymphedema patient deal with lymphedema. Mm-hmm. So it can really appeal to a wide audience, much wider than I ever expected. Mm-hmm. Is the book basically you sharing your journey from the onset of your illness to healing through that and now your current life? Yeah, it is. It's pretty much, it. it is. It gives a lot of the details of my journey, of the surgery, uh, the conversations with the doctors, how I felt at the time deals with some of the milestones that I've reached, like that day that I got on that leg exercise machine for the first time in a really long time. It deals with how after the surgery I had to change my coaching style because I had to, I wasn't able to lift my gymnasts anymore, so I had to come up with different ways of getting my point across to my gymnasts and making, you know, their workout as, efficient as possible and it also tells about my relationship with some of my friends and family how they've helped me through the situation before and after Mm -hmm. that's awesome I love that you're able to share those things because I think like you said really it can be anyone just going through a hard time or feeling hopeless and discouraged and we always need to hear stories like yours where someone has turned around what they thought was supposed to be the outcome to something that really was what they wanted and needed in their life. Right, right. It's also one of those things when people say everything happens for a reason, Uh um, it also pretty much brings that point up because I wouldn't have been anywhere near as good a gymnastics coach and I would not have touched tens of thousands of gymnasts and coaches in this country if it weren't for that surgery, if I wasn't forced to change my coaching style. And I know it's, you know, some people think of it as it's only a job, but it's really not. It's, it's been my life. Right, right. And it's obviously your passion. And and that's a great point because I think that sometimes, especially in the midst of our despair, we think that everything's hopeless and there's no way life can go on or get better 
But as you said, when you work through things and you heal and you find a different way to adapt based on your circumstances, amazing things can happen. And you've obviously made the amazing happen, not just with yourself, but in doing your coaching. True, true, yeah. Yes. I was a totally different coach six months and a year after my surgery than I was before the surgery. Mm-hmm. And I just grew so much as a coach and as a person after the whole situation. Mm-hmm. What are some of the key things, if there's just two or three things that you've really learned going through this journey that you could share with the listeners? I think the biggest thing that I learned was that people, in most cases, people cannot hold you back. Mm. Like that doctor that told me that I was going to be bedridden for the rest of my life. That didn't, that didn't hold me back. It made me sad, and I did believe him before and right after the surgery, but once I was home and moving around, I realized that what he said is not going to affect how, you know, hard I heal. Yes. I definitely have to realize that no one can hold you back if you have a goal most of the time. Absolutely. Um, I believe that. I love, yeah. Another thing I learned is that sometimes if you have to change the way you're doing something, it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes change is a great thing. Yes. So I, you know, was going along in my coaching. My gymnasts were doing pretty well, but if I, didn't, if I wasn't forced to change how I coached, then I might not have been anywhere near as successful as a coach. Absolutely. Good point, because I think just to what we said earlier, being adaptable and flexible, especially when you face a huge challenge or obstacle like yours, is so critical in having hope and knowing that things can get better. Right. Yeah, that's true. And the third thing is that I learned is, I realized how much my friends and family really cared for me. So I think it really brought me, I always had a pretty good relationship with my parents and my sister, but I think the surgery really made us all realize how much, you know, we mean to each other. You know, my parents, my sister, and my things like that, situations like that really do make you realize how much people care about you. And that's just a wonderful thing. It was amazing. Right, and I like that you're sharing that because I think that sometimes when people go through tragedies or traumas, they don't feel that there's anyone there for them. And sometimes we have to be open to receive love and care from other people, whether it's friends or family or whoever. And that's really important in part of our healing process, whether we're healing physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever it is. And so I'm I think it's awesome that you were able to recognize this with your own family and friends and then you're sharing that because some people that I interview sometimes or, you know, that have told me different stories have said, you know, I just feel like I'm so alone and nobody cares and nobody understands and really there's probably people around you, if you let them, they can help. Yes. Well, I knew that people cared, but I also knew that nobody close to me understood what I was going through. Right. Um, but I knew that they cared and they really wanted to do what they could to help me be more, you know, as comfortable as possible. Absolutely. Well, I love that you decided to write the book and to share it with others. And as you said, it's already affecting many people in a positive way and touching lives. 
What is your hope and plan for the future as far as spreading your message of how you healed and got through this and, and what are you doing as far as the gymnastics and coaching and that type of thing? Well, my hope is it's two-part because I did send my book to the National Lymphedema Network so that they could... There are a handful of books out there on lymphedema, but I'm not sure that many of them deal with the emotional side uh-huh. as much as most did. Um, you know, a lot of them deal with the technical, you know, what to do, what types of exercises are best. Right. But I don't think too many of them include both the, you know, medical or healing as well as the emotional or the motivational part of it. Mm-hmm. I would like more people with lymphedema to be able to see the book just to see what I've gone through and so that they can realize that they can live a pretty normal life right. uh, once they're able to maintain it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the other part is the motivational as far as the general public and my athletes and anybody that really needs to hear that if I got through this and I've come as far as I have, they can too, no matter what their situation is or whatever goal it is that they want to reach, they really can progress each day and get closer and closer to their goal and maybe even exceed their goals one day. Right. And I love that because that's the whole point is to share your story to help encourage and inspire people to motivate them. And certainly, as you mentioned, to give other lymphedema patients access to information that they might not have because people sometimes aren't willing to share their story. Sometimes they don't think it matters, which is why we're here at Your Story Matters. And uh, they don't think that others would gain anything from it. And so I love what you're doing. You're sharing your heart, the real facts about how you felt and what you went through and your struggles. And then the outcome, which is amazing, of how successful you are and how you've overcome that first diagnosis and those words that you would be bedridden. Right. Right. That was just that was just awful sitting there. I'll never forget that day, that I, conversation with that doctor. I can imagine. I can imagine. It's really disheartening in the first place just to hear that you have some sort of illness or disease, to hear you have to have surgery or treatment. That in itself is terrifying, but then for someone to make such a statement, it's just impossible to know, for anyone to know, doctor or otherwise, an absolute because the human mind and body is so amazing and that's I love to be able to share stories like yours where we take that seemingly impossible thing and make something happen like you've done right yeah, that's true there are so many stories like mine out there where people have overcome goals even much greater than mine and just have you know, totally proved doctors and other people wrong with mm-hmm. what they've been able to do. Absolutely. So where would the listeners go to find out more about you and your book? They can go directly to my website to find out about me. It's karengoler.com, K-A-R-E-N-G-O-E-L-L-E-R.com. They can find out about the book on my website or they can get it through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or gymnasticsbooks.com, G-Y-M-N-A-S-P-I-C-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. 
Wonderful. Karen, thank you so much for sharing a part of your story today, for spending some time letting our listeners know about you and your amazing journey. And as I mentioned early on, if people comment at the website, yourstorymatters.net, once the show is posted there, they will automatically be entered to win a copy of your book. That's great. That's really, really great. Thank Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome.